From Connext Media, this is Atlanta Born and Brand. I'm your host, Jonathan Hilliard. Atlanta Born and Brand is a show all about businesses that are being built right here in the capital of the South. But more importantly, it's a show about their founders. We wanted to find some of the city's most interesting entrepreneurs and creators, hear about their challenges, successes, and how they built a brand that will last. But more importantly, we want to introduce these founders, brands, and businesses to the city they live in, their neighbors, to make sure Atlanta and the brands they call it home can thrive for generations to come. As adults, making new friends and deep connections can be hard. Between growing families and careers, it's difficult to find time for anything else. But back in 2012, Kevin Cregan started Atlanta Sport and Social Club attacking that very problem. We sat down with Kevin to talk about how Atlanta Sport and Social is providing adults in our city those opportunities they need to make lasting connections. So I uh, born and raised in Long Island, New York. Okay. And uh, had the opportunity to go to the Olympics in 94 to Norway and fell in love with the Olympics immediately hmm. and realized that, oh, wow, they're going to be in Atlanta. Didn't really know a lot about Atlanta, <laughs> but I wanted to be in Atlanta for 96 and uh, finished school in 95. Came down here, uh, literally found a job within the first week of being here. Yeah. Never in a million years thought I'd still be here. Thought I'd last <laughs> about a year or two. And uh, the best thing for me to do was go back to New York and visit. And re- I realized why I wanted to stay in Atlanta. Sure. And uh, fell in love with the city and uh, haven't looked back. It's been almost 25 years. Yeah. What was it about Atlanta those that first time you visited that separated itself from New York in such a way to make you think, yeah, I don't really want to go back? I think a few things. What weather was one. Yeah. Um, just the friendliness of people. People actually say hello to you when you mm-hmm. went to the grocery store, and people didn't automatically look down and avoid you on yeah. the street. And just I, I could see the the development coming. And mm-hmm. you know, this is again a long time ago. Before I mean, Midtown wasn't even a thing. Yeah. Um, but I could see where Atlanta was trying to get to, and I really want to be a part of that growth. Well, and, you know, we've talked to a lot of folks about sort of the the evolution of Atlanta, especially over the last, you know, 25 years. And it's funny, you came here right at that sort of inflection point that everybody mentions with the Olympics and talk about like pre-Olympics Atlanta and post-Olympics Atlanta. Um, Talk about career-wise, what what did you do once you made the decision to to come here? What was kind of your, your focus in those first few years? So interesting path. So I worked for a friend of my dad's in New York Mm. uh, at a boat canvas shop. It's all I knew right out of school. Mm. And uh, so I found a company in Atlanta that produced tents and they were doing all the tents for the Olympic venues. Nice. So it was a way to sort of get involved in the Olympics, but you know, obviously didn't have a sports background at that point and uh, allowed me to work at all the venues and and get access to all the events. And then uh, stayed with that company for about three years and then uh, went into the marketing realm and uh, worked at a boutique marketing agency, worked at a huge direct mail company, mm-hmm. and then uh, started my own sort of small marketing agency, got into branded products and printing yeah. and T-shirts and stopped that in 2010 and started started the Atlanta Sport and Social Club. Crazy. Ten years. It's been seven. Okay. Uh, it was seven in October. Okay. So it's gotcha. about seven and a half years. Yeah. Cool. What was it about the Olympics that sort of sort of drew you and, and kind of caught your eye so much? The experience I had in Norway was one of the best experiences I've ever had. Just hmm. being in a, a very small town in the middle of Norway 
and you'd see someone with a USA shirt on and you instantly like gravitated towards them. Right. I ended up hanging out with a lot of the CBS news folks um, from the you know national broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, it's just the spirit of of your country, whether it was US or some other country, just amazing to, to be a part of that scene. Yeah. And uh, obviously that translated into uh, Atlanta in 96. Right. I had the opportunity to go to Rio a couple of years ago, which was amazing as well. That's cool. Yeah, so the Olympics happens and, and you kind of start your career in Atlanta. What were the things that sort of led to that thought creeping into your mind of, um, you know, first you said you did kind of your own thing on the marketing side. Did you did you have that entrepreneurial kind of gene that people talk about as a kid, yeah. you know, where you sell lemonade, <laughs> sure. that sort of thing? Yeah, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, some call it a sickness. <laughs> some call it a gene. I, I wouldn't disagree with any of that. Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, I've, I've had some successes. I've had some failures, hmm. but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. It's, it's yeah. what makes me get out of bed every day. Sure. What were the – did you recognize what that was as a kid and that you wanted to eventually work for yourself, or was that something you kind of realized later no, in life? No, I think I did recognize it. Yeah. I, I can remember going to, you know, I'd go visit my dad, and he worked in a large corporation. <laughs> And I would start asking questions like, what, what does that guy do in that cubicle over there? Why is he just, probably wasn't on his phone back then, but you know, mm. on his computer, what is he actually doing? Yeah. What is he producing? Um, and, and I would just look for ways for people could do things better, faster, more efficiently. Um, and all of a sudden it's like, huh, why, why would you do this for some other company? Why would you do it for yourself? <laughs> it yeah. just seemed really obvious, but sure. obviously it's not for everyone. No, without a doubt. And so the, you have the experience of uh, working in marketing kind of for yourself. and But what were the steps that sort of led to you thinking Atlanta Sport and Social Club, or what did it start off as something, you know, a little bit different? How did those those uh, roots start to be planted? So 2010 was probably the lowest of the low for me. Um, the economy was crashing. I yeah. had a huge client um, that went bankrupt. It was probably 70% of my business. Wow. And, uh, so you, you know, learn to not only put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. Uh, I did. And, uh, they went bankrupt and basically lost a lot. I didn't lose everything, uh, <laughs> but I lost a lot and uh, tried to rebuild and just realized that what I was trying to rebuild, I wasn't really passionate about anymore <laughs> and was looking for something to be really passionate about. Well, I went through a divorce at the same time. And uh, a few years later I met my current wife and she grew up in Toronto, and she had this idea. Well, she played with Toronto Sport and Social Club mm. and met all of her friends, lifelong friends that she's been with, friends with 20 years. And she said, you know, I've always wanted to do this in Atlanta. She's got a great career at Coke. And she said, I don't have the time or the bandwidth to ever want to do this. Mm. Maybe you want to try it. And to be honest with you, I didn't really understand what she was talking about. <laughs> like, okay, so I'm going to put a lot of adults together to play in adult sports leagues. How yeah. is that a business? How do I make right. money? But I was intrigued, um, so I started to do a lot of market research around what was happening in the adult sports world and realized that there was a space, especially in town Atlanta, uh, for some adult sports leagues. So I started that business, that part of the business in 2012, yeah. and uh, in 2019 we have over just under 30,000 people playing adult sports. So we, we figured out the, uh, the formula. And you found a white space. Absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Did you have a, a background as a kid play, playing sports, and was that significant significant to you growing up? It's funny. I, I don't tell a lot of people this, but I didn't. <laughs> I I was not a sports guy or a kid. Um, I was a uh, two young parents working. Didn't have <laughs> a lot of 
time for extracurricular sure. activities or the money sure. probably to, to do yeah. those things. Um, so I played soccer probably up until, I don't know, 10 or 11 years old. Right. But never, sport organized sports wasn't my thing. Yeah. And I think coming into this business as someone who wasn't passionate about any one sport, it wasn't mm-hmm. a hobby of mine. I looked at it strictly from a business standpoint. Yeah. How do I monetize adults playing sports? And right. I think I just came at it from a very different angle, and that's probably why we were able to scale so so fast. I was going to say that was probably, you know, a definite advantage for you because you didn't have these biases from, you know, childhood of, oh, you know, it's got to be we're, we're baseball first, and we're right. gonna, you know, or, or softball or whatever it yeah, might whatever be. Your we're gonna, is. Yeah, we're gonna build this, you know, citywide softball league. It's no, okay, what do people want, and you know, how can we provide that in the most efficient way to start running a business absolutely that's cool um but obviously you know there are the folks who playing sports as as a kid is like some of their most fond memories so obviously what you guys started to do in 2012 is by the way that's the the famous Lowburn train that you'll hear (laughs) on a couple episodes here and there uh going by the studio but Obviously, in 2012, when you start to do this, I'm sure you're tapping into that just love of, of the game with a lot of folks who, you know, played sports as a kid and now are looking for that outlet to, to kind of relive some of the things they really enjoyed. Absolutely. Yeah, whether you're playing in high school or college <laughs> and intramurals or even, you know, semi-professionally, yeah. this gives people in Atlanta, a very transient city, a way to, to meet people with similar interests and, right. and keep that passion going. Sure. What were the, what were the early days like for you i know, you know starting thing anything from scratch is tough absolutely but tell me about year one and what that looked like you know you mentioned now there's over thirty thousand people doing this every year but what did those early days look like for the company our first season which was fall of 2012 i think we had 168 people playing okay um certainly not a business <laughs> at that point it was a hobby yeah um and we probably started in the wrong season because we went from fall to winter and a lot less people play in the winter Um, but that spring of 2013 I took a gamble and bought a lot of field time Hmm. at Piedmont Park way more than I thought I could ever use Hmm. but it was sort of a a strategic decision to let's go all in and uh, so we had I don't know I think we had five or six hundred people playing just at Piedmont Park that following spring and then from there spring number one spring number one yeah wow it's amazing Um, from there, it just sort of snowballed. And it, it, not to say, I mean, the first couple of years were tough. Um, yeah. We reminisce. I've got uh, still some folks that are with me that were with me when we started. Yeah. And we talk about, like, the summer of 2013 that was sort of a make or break. You know, <laughs> either we're going to go all in this season or we're going to pack up and try something else. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was going to ask you, did it start as something you thought – could be a career long term, or did you think going into it, oh, this could be fun and it could, you know, be a nice little like supplemental piece of income, but you know, eventually I'll have to go and do something else. I would love to tell you that I had the foresight to say I thought we could be where we are. Yeah, I, it has grown way above and beyond <laughs> what I ever expected. I mean, on the sports side, like I said, thirty thousand people. Uh, that number just never even entered my mind. Yeah. Um, and now we talk about, you know, some of our goals. We want to get to 100,000 participants. And that's just mind-blowing yeah. when you think about it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about 
you know, like significant percentages of the adults in your city at that point, like participating in something, which participating in anything at that, at those numbers is remarkable. But so, you know, your wife says she's always thought it would be cool. You take it on, you know, 150, even a couple hundred, you can manage alone. But once you start even getting into that first spring where you're talking about five, 600 people, I mean, that's a full-time job and then some for one person. So how do you start to build your team in those <laughs> those early days? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of, hey, do you want to help with yeah. this? And people wondering, is he talking about money? Or yep. <laughs> is this a volunteer role? How does how does your team start to assemble from there? So I remember when our the first time we were going to do flag football was that spring. Yeah. And we had a lot more teams sign up than I <laughs> planned. And I started calling friends. I'm like, hey, John, could you – officiate a flag football game he's like what why would you you ask me a question like that (laughs) i said well i might need you on saturday and uh just made a lot of phone calls like that ended Mm -hmm. up finding someone at georgia state that uh managed all their intramural officials and he helped me in the beginning to sort of place people who needed some hourly time that's cool um i did hire someone right away um it was sort of an intern but he ended up being a full-time sports league coordinator for me I literally hired him during his interview. I went and met him at like a Moe's up in Kennesaw. Yeah. He was freshly out of Kennesaw State and said, hey, I, I need you like this week <laughs> because <laughs> I've got these hundreds of players and I don't really know what to do with them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we we uh, we got out of the gate a little rough, but it worked. Yeah. And what does your staff look like now? Uh, we've got 10 full-time <laughs> employees and then about 200 part-time. If you've been listening and would like an additional opportunity to support the show, we've got the perfect fit. Our first t-shirt, the Our City, Our Story Tee, is now available on our website. To get yours, head to atlborn.com shop. And now you guys have expanded, obviously, it's the Atlanta Sport and Social Club, so you have things outside of sports. But what do you think it is about the, the sports aspect that brings, I'm sure, a huge percentage of the folks that participate in you guys' leagues are return customers. Absolutely. What is it, do you think, that that keeps bringing them back, and why are people so attracted to it? I think there's probably two things. One is just the the ability to connect with someone personally. You know, with in the day of, you know, everyone's on their phone, everyone's, you know, dating through apps. To be able to go out and physically work with or play with someone on a field or in a gym you just don't get a lot of opportunities to do that anymore. Yeah. You, know, you work from home and you know, how do you socially interact with anyone? And I feel like we are that outlet where you can get someone off the couch and get out and be competitive if, if you choose to be yeah. or play in a socially, uh, social level league mm-hmm. and uh, just really go out there for the fun of it. Right. Well, and my wife and I had this conversation just the other day about like how, you know, as, as grown adults now, how much harder it is to build like significant friendships and relationships with folks that are are as close and as impactful as either before you had kids or when you're in college or when you're playing, you know, high school, whatever it was. So you're kind of providing that opportunity like, uh, okay, I'm going to see these folks every Tuesday and I'm going to have this consistent with an interaction with folks that, you know, in the business world, it's very, you know, all right, you got a job to do, I've got a job to do. You know, we, we cross paths, but there's not that you know, just sense of camaraderie that, that you can get in that, that sports atmosphere. So that's cool. You're kind of rekindling that for, for 
folks and providing that social aspect that as adults it's hard to find sometimes which yeah, is I, neat. other than maybe a gym or right. a bar i'm not sure <laughs> elsewhere you'd find it yeah you know no that's interesting you name those two places because that's like okay so if the gym isn't my spot right. and the bar is not my spot where do i belong right where where do i belong but cool so tell me about the social aspect of it obviously you know you talk about the sports but how do you start to incorporate these other events into what you guys do uh, so probably two years in, so 2014-ish, um, as we're starting to build this pretty dynamic database of 25 to 40-year-olds, as a business guy, I'm looking at this saying, well, how else can I monetize this database of people? And naturally, it, it, maybe it wasn't naturally, it seemed natural at the time to start doing events. Yeah. And we started with events on a, a very small scale. We did some flops of events. <laughs> um <laughs> If you want to know about that, I can tell you about one of the worst ones we ever did. <laughs> Do it. We, Do it. Someone showed us time. a video of um, it was a slip and slide flip cup uh, event. Okay. Right? So we decided, well, that seems like a really natural fit for us. So we rented this 100-foot-long slip and slide okay. and couldn't get a, a permit from the city. The city would not allow this inflatable mm. slide with water and alcohol. I you know, can't imagine why they wouldn't allow us <laughs> to do that. So we decided we were going to do it in the parking lot of our office in Kirkwood okay. and got approval from the landlord. I think we sold 25 tickets mm -hmm. and it was, I think it was Memorial Day weekend and the, this huge slip and slide took up so much room, it ended literally at the dumpster of the building. <laughs> so, you know, you've got, we had these, I remember these girls coming in an Uber and stopped and they looked around and they said, is this the event? <laughs> Like, yeah. And they wanted to get back in the Uber and just go home, and we convinced them to stay. <laughs> yeah, we never did that event again. <laughs> yeah. You live, you learn, right? You live and learn, slip, yeah. and slip, uh, slip and slide, flip cup, flip you know, cup. cross that one off the list. Yeah. But uh, talk about, you know, you obviously now with these social things that you, you add to the mix, you bring in, you know, a lot of different types of folks, and now you interact with some some other businesses in town as well. How how has the the social side of things grown since, you know, slip and slide come <laughs> you know, back in? Uh, it's grown the early quite days. a bit. Um, it, last year we produced about seventeen events, hmm. um, anything from food festivals to we do the pub crawl in the Beltline three times a year. It's the yeah. largest pub crawl in Atlanta. Oktoberfest Atlanta is our event. Atlanta Field Day is one we've been doing for six years yeah. or so. Um, so it's it's almost as uh, it's almost the same size in revenue as our sports league business. Hmm. It's amazing when you know you think about okay, you had this one business and it's almost a separate you know business that you're running that you just think okay, how can I monetize this audience that I've already got you know kind of their attention and turn it into something else? And now you, know, you talk about it's almost uh, you know providing the same level of revenue. It's, it's Pretty cool, you know, encouragement to entrepreneurs Absolutely. always be thinking about, you know, how you can leverage, you know, the relationships that you've built um, in business. But I want to talk about personally uh, the the social event I'm most looking forward to, and that's the uh, Atlanta Grilled Cheese Festival. How does one come up with the idea to say, okay, we're going to we're going to have a festival of all the things Atlanta has festivals about, you, you, you land on grilled cheese. How does that happen? So we, as a team, get together a few times a year, yeah. and we do, we call them either game storms or brainstorms, <laughs> and we were at a retreat. 
was cold and miserable outside. It was like February. And we went to, we were probably hungover because we usually hang, hang out pretty late <laughs> at night. The next day we go to lunch at a little restaurant and I don't know, three of the five of us order grilled cheese and tomato soup. And we just all started talking about how nostalgic grilled cheese is. Yeah. It's like everyone's favorite sandwich and all the different ways you can make it. Right. And we talked about it for 15 minutes. We're like, why wouldn't we do a festival around America's favorite sandwich? <laughs> like, it's an easy one to produce. The sandwich it is, not sure. the event. <laughs> um, so that's that's kind of how the event was born, out of just a, a conversation and a situation where we said, oh, we could probably capitalize on this. Yeah. So what does the Atlanta Grilled Cheese Festival look like today? Uh, so this year, uh, we well, this is our fourth year. Okay. Uh, we've sold out every single year. Um which is amazing. Hmm. This year we'll probably have 35 to 40 restaurants that are preparing one to two or three uh, different styles of grilled cheese sandwiches. Yeah. We have live music. Um, we'll have a beer garden. We'll have a uh, Smirnoff vodka um, Bloody Mary bar hmm. where you can build your own Bloody Marys, adding things like slices of bacon and beef jerky and yeah. you name it. Um, so, yeah, it's a full-blown festival. Sure. Uh, probably four to 5,000 people. And what's the venue for the festival? I'd be Atlantic Station in the Pinnacle Lot. Awesome. That's cool. And tell me, uh, you know, for folks, you know, you kind of laid out the the uh, nitty gritty of it. But for folks who have never been there, what's the what's the vibe like at the Grilled Cheese Festival? What what can they expect if this is their first time coming? So, I mean, basically, what happens is the restaurants are making grilled cheese sandwiches all day right mm-hmm. in front of you, so they're preparing and, and frying or deep frying, whatever they might be doing, grilling them. Right. And you're sampling quarter size uh, samples of sandwiches, oh, cool. and you basically are looking for your your favorites. Uh, <laughs> we have voting abilities. Uh, we have a People's Choice Award, and then we have the the judges' choice. We have uh, celebrity judges that will yeah. be coming and picking theirs, and then you pair that with either a Bloody Mary or a cold beer, and listen to some <laughs> great live music. Hopefully, on a beautiful day in April. Yeah, that's a good time of year. It's a good time of year in Atlanta, especially. So. You know, we, t- we talked to everybody sort of at the end of the show about, okay, you've, you've gone through the things that you've gone through that have gotten you to this point, but where do you see the future for Atlanta Sport and Social Club? And, you know, you mentioned that number of 100,000 folks participating, but other than, you know, just raw numbers, where, where do you think, uh, what do you think the potential of the organization is in the future? I think we spend a lot of time three or four times a year talking about where we see the business going mm-hmm. and, and what is it we stand for. And it, I think what we're creating is a lifestyle brand whether and, or a place that people go to when they're trying to figure out what to do right. this weekend, next week, whatever it is. Um, so whether it's you want to play in a sports league, you want to go to an event, we're starting to promote other people's events. We're <laughs> starting to produce events for other companies. Yeah. So we do the Atlanta United Block Party uh, which is their uh, kickoff event to their season. Right. A lot of people don't know that that's us producing it, uh, but we partner with Atlanta United to produce that event. Sure. So we're having brands come to us and ask to produce larger and larger scaled events. Yeah. So I, I think the events business will grow for sure. We mentioned the, the 100,000 participant goal for the sports leagues. Yeah. And it's trying to figure out how to, what, what do we do with a lifestyle brand and how do we become the go-to <laughs> place for, for people that want to know what to do in Atlanta. Well, and you mentioned thinking early on, you know, whether it was folks talking to you, okay, this this is something that we could do in Atlanta. Obviously, the test case has been proven now. People want it. What do you think it is about the city that's uh, that sort of embraced 
the concept so much and why has this been successful here in Atlanta specifically? I think for, for our business, the way Atlanta's population changed, and meaning like where they've moved to, um, when I moved here, I lived at Windy Hill Road outside the perimeter. Yeah. Not really anyone lived inside the perimeter, maybe Virginia Islands. And, <laughs> but now it's, if you're 25 to 40 years old, you want to live in town. <laughs> and to me, that is Atlanta. And yeah. that's where we are. That we, On the sports league side, we say we've got a sports league for you where you want it at the skill level you want to play <laughs> at a location that's convenient. Um, and then I think just the, the natural tendency for Atlanta to be a transient city you, you get here, your first job or second job out of college, and you, you don't know anyone. Right. So you're probably looking for things that people have similar interests, and whether it's an event or a sports league, it's a great way to connect people and people that have the similar, same interests that you might. Um, we've, we, you know, we have just profiling some people on Valentine's that have met in sports leagues, that have gotten <laughs> married. Now they're having babies. I mean, it's, crazy. It's, it's a really, really neat story to be able yeah. to tell. I was going to say, you probably have several of those at this point. You know, you're talking, you know, twenty five to 30,000 folks a year. I mean, the opportunity is there for, for those uh, those stories are going to start piling up for you Absolutely. guys, which is a neat thing. Well, uh, Kevin, I want to give you the opportunity to tell folks what's coming up um, kind of immediately now uh, in Atlanta Sport and Social Club. You said the, the Grilled Cheese Festival is coming up in April. Uh, what else do you have on the docket that people can can kind of plug in and get involved with? Uh, after Grilled Cheese Festival, we have the uh, pub crawl on the Beltline in the spring. Okay. Then we have Atlanta Field Day in May. Mm-hmm. Oktoberfest Atlanta will be in October. A um, few more events that have yet to be announced. Yeah. But stay tuned. Keeping that one close to the vest. Absolutely. What's, uh, what's coming up from a league standpoint in the spring and summer? Uh, spring is a huge time of year for us, so we consider spring March. Okay. Um, so we'll have probably 200 leagues that'll be uh, wow. starting between March and April. Awesome. And everything from flag football to, I saw you've got some uh, some bar, bar yeah, sports. Traditional leagues. sports like flag football, soccer, <laughs> yeah. softball, yeah. Uh, to uh, more social sports like bar games or okay. cornhole or bocce. Awesome. Well, we're looking forward to seeing what the, the future holds for Atlanta Sport and Social, and uh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. The Atlanta Grilled Cheese Festival will be on April 18, 2020. Head to atlantagrilledcheese.com to get your tickets. To get involved with Atlanta Sport and Social Club, head to their website, atlantasportandsocialclub.com. Or follow them on social media, at AtlantaSSC. If you've been listening and would like an additional opportunity to support the show, we've got the perfect fit. Our first t-shirt, the Our City, Our Story Tee, is now available on our website. To get yours, head to atlborn.com slash shop. Atlanta Born and Brand is a production of Connects Media. We're a full-service digital media company focused on helping small businesses tell their story in the most effective way they can. If you'd like to tell the story of your business, we'd love to help. You can find us at connectsatl.com. Special thanks go out to our producer, Catherine Hilliard, and the Connects Media team of Chris Hilliard, Mackenzie Bates, and Andrew Blaylock. Stay tuned to the show for more stories from the city's top startups and small businessmen and women. You can do that by subscribing in Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. If you like the show, we'd really appreciate a review and a rating. And of course, share it with your friends. Keep up with the show on social media. We're ATL Born Brand on Instagram and Twitter. And you can also like our Atlanta Born and Brand Facebook page. 
Finally, you can find all the previous episodes of the show on our website, atlborn.com. For Atlanta Born and Brand and Connects Media, I'm Jonathan Hillier. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you all soon.